When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. If you don't have some chills on this Monday, then you may want to go to the doctor and get yourself checked out. Because it's game week. Finally, it is here. Last week, I know there were football games, and Caleb did a great job of picking those. Yeah, you don't have to. Uh, we don't. We don't have to go there, Dave. Um, yeah, very, very, very rough start. I, well, then let's just move on. Anytime, anytime <laughs> from now on, I say throughout the program and throughout the week, I say, uh, Caleb, what time is it? You have to reply game week, and that will factor into your bonus at the end of the year. So if I just randomly say like now, what time is it? Game week. There you go. There you go. And I can't tell you how excited that we are. Uh, We launched last year. And frankly, it's a lot more than I thought it was going to be and probably kind of bumbled a bit. But this year, we're ready to go with your print coverage or type coverage or written coverage of Tennessee's press conferences day in and day out inside Looks at the balls with Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays Weekly. This show with you 10 o'clock each and every weekday. So, man, we're loaded up. Guys like John Adams, Jimmy Himes, Josh Ward, Fred White. Find a better show. Go ahead and click that like and subscribe button now because we are off and running and excited. On the program today, we've got a lot to get to as you might imagine. And one of those is going to be Cooper Mays. So if you're a part of what we do, that is, you know that Cooper Mays and Jacob Warren are on the Vol Report weekly. And I visited with uh, Jacob and Cooper, as we always do. And by the way, can we take a second to just say how awesome is it that Cooper Mays is still willing to do this? And yes, he gets paid. And that's NIL. But the fact that he is a man and wants to get, and, and I'm going to be real honest with you, Caleb, the interview is difficult 
because I've gotten close to Caleb. I've gotten close to Cooper, unlike any other player I've covered. Um, and to see him hurting and not being able to go out there against Virginia. And I have seen projections and I'm going to get into more. It's not based all off what Coop's told me, but I'm going to get into more. We've seen projections that maybe he might be back by Florida. Who was the first person to say that the day after the announcement was made, Caleb? That was you. You got one prediction, right? Somebody on the show is getting them right. Well, I don't think that prediction's right anymore. So I think um, Florida might be optimistic at this point. So uh, you're dealing with a whole new can of worms, and we're going to get into all of that, what that would mean for uh, Tennessee. But David Michael is nice enough to point on the board. Caleb's predictions cost me three grand this week. So go ahead and start to tell me what you're doing because we love this as a family. And what are your plans for the weekend? I'll be in the hooker press box uh, with a staff this time. Caleb and I will be on constant communication. We'll have Caleb Giroux, probably have something from, I don't know, a guy named Jimmy Himes who's been the sports writer of the year in Tennessee five times. That's not easy to do. So, um, you go ahead and tell us what you're doing this game week as it is it is good times, good times to be alive in East Tennessee. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, this is why, with the exception of maybe Ohio and Michigan, people in the Big Ten don't wake up and get Uber, Penn State maybe, but get they've still got the Steelers, don't get Uber excited. Every town, with the exception of Vanderbilt, does not have another team to root for. They've got a team that's been there for hundreds of years, but every other town in the SEC loves college football first and foremost, and that's what it's all about. And let's not forget, we get caught up in disagreements in NIL. We get caught up in disagreements of transfer portal and this and that. We talk about as somebody being a diva or not, and some of the dumb things that go on with the NCAA. And it's been a sport, Caleb, of arguments basically for over a hundred years, who should be the champion, who should do this. And that's what it's based on. Sort of. It's actually based off the product. The product is absolutely incredible. Uh, What they put on the field year in and year out, maybe not as pure as it was now that the players are getting paid, but I can tell you one thing, it's more pure than the universities reaping benefits from them and them not getting any of it from NIL money. So, Caleb, how are you, sir? You look fantastic, perky, ready to go. I just, I, I'm great. I am great. I, I have mentally gotten over what I lost on Saturday, uh, and I'm ready to make it all back this week. I want to. We'll have our predictions on Wednesday and Thursday. I'll give you my gambling picks. I'm going to make it all back, guys. Don't worry. You'll get right, rich you- listening to me. <laughs> you got you you got options. Okay, so let me ask you this. Um can we start Scott? I got locked out of a fantasy football league. Can do we want to start like a fantasy football league or one of those eliminator things so we can figure out through the season who is the better at prognosticating picks? I think we should do that. I'm not going to beat you on the spread, dude. I mean, just that's not a game. It's not going to be fun. Uh and so I'm not even I'm not going to get in the fight with Mike Tyson. I'm just not going to do that. Uh, Also, 
uh, coming up on the program. The main goal of the Vols against UVA Virginia. We'll have a preview of them. Today's tough question will be, should the Vols consider more neutral site games in Nashville for recruiting purposes? I got a weird feeling I know where my friend uh, Caleb Calhoun is going to go there. Also, we'll have, is this the last season of college football as we know it? with the 12-team college football playoff? I think that's kind of an obvious yes. So we've got a lot to get to. Uh, Let's begin with this. Why week one, week zero, let's begin with this. Why week zero results are news and encouraging for the Vols. And this will include the very latest on... Cooper Mays. So that's why I threw that news in there, not just the games, but what I've been told over the weekend and what happened in various games all across the world, um, how that affects the balls. Is it good or bad for them? Here we go. Four downs brought to you by Zen sports. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Did I mention we'll have full coverage of the press conferences later today and throughout the week? And that and four downs with some coop news is brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash. So four downs is now, and the one, the only, the man will bring us in, Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. And Cooper, if you're watching, I'm sorry we couldn't connect yesterday. I had a big get-together of my son. We're sending him off to college, and we had pounds of barbecue left over, and I was going to take it to him, and he was in treatment until I had to leave. So he doesn't know it yet unless he's watching right now, but I think I'm going to have my mom drop over uh, a ton of barbecue. What do you think about that? You would appreciate that, Caleb? I think that'd be great. I think he'd love it. Are you a barbecue guy? Oh, you're Memphis. You're from I'm Memphis. I'm a barbecue right? snob. I don't get barbecue yeah. outside of Shelby County. No, I hear you. Uh, well, no, <laughs> I love the Carolina mustard sauce. First time I covered a game in South Carolina, the sauce alone was like, this is different and good. You didn't even get no. the good Carolina mustard sauce, so you got it in South Carolina. It's way better in North Carolina. Oh, well, I didn't know. Well, we got, <laughs> you know what we got to do? We got to take this thing on the road more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If 2024, you, baby. I do... I do Memphis road tour. I want my barbecue cooked Memphis style. I will, if I do sauce, I'm with you. The Carolina sauce, I will do. The only other exception I'll do is I will do Texas barbecue because it's a different kind of barbecue because it's beef, but they actually will smoke it the way with the dry rub sometimes. So David says, I'm making homemade Chipotle chicken, having the family over. Everyone is dressing in balls gear. Going to be a great day. If anybody would like to uh, invite my family, since I can't go, I've got to cover the game, to a tailgate, feel free. I said that once on the radio, and the next guy called up and said, are you just asking for someone to feed your family for the day? And I said, basically, yes. And so if you want to do that, let us know. All right, we're in four downs right now. Coop, 
Call them out, and it's brought to you by Zen Sports. Coop here. First down. First down for Coop. First down. Notre Dame win proves Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. Okay, how did you get to this point, Caleb Calhoun? That's first down. I saw Sam Hartman in this system. This is a relatively similar system. Notre Dame has an offensive coordinator who got demoted from his last job. So they should struggle more offensively this year. And Sam Hartman balled out and was very efficient. Similar to how Tyler Buck, I mean, I'm sorry, similar to how Drew Pines was against the Navy last year and significantly better than Tyler Buckner was before Buckner got hurt. And so what that tells me is that Tyler Buckner throwing three touchdowns and five interceptions and completing 55% of his passes had nothing to do with the Notre Dame scheme or the Notre Dame talent around him. Had everything to do with him being a bad quarterback. And that's who Alabama's hitching its wagon to this year. Yep. And we're going to turn it back to the SEC. And that is uh, second down for Coop. Should help the balls as well. Again, brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sportsbook in Tennessee. Revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. You get their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn the unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume. For your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOK, that's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting and keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. I mean, here's the thing you need to think about with Zen Sports. You download that app. If you get 3% cash back, Caleb and I were talking over the weekend, you got to hit, what, 52.8% of your games to cover the juice, the 10%. There you go. With your 3% cash back, you are good to go. So uh, what down are we on, Caleb? Second down. Yes. Did we play the sounder? Let's play it again. Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right. Vanderbilt's awful. Seems like we've said that maybe, I don't know, one million times in our lives, Caleb? Yes, but worse than I thought. Because, remember, Vanderbilt beat Hawaii last year 63-10. to 10. They finished last year beating Kentucky and Florida before losing to Tennessee. So you thought, okay, this is a significantly better team than 2021. Clark Lee should have them taking another step this year. They're getting Hawaii at home now. They should beat them by a lot more. They struggled to put them away. Now... I think that Vanderbilt, Tennessee was always going to beat Vanderbilt, but you always wonder if those smaller, if those lesser level SEC schools could be a bit of a threat. Well, nope, Vanderbilt's not going to be a threat. They're not going to be a threat at all. So Tennessee can once again know that they will sleepwalk their way to victory over Vanderbilt this year. Well, and I think too that you're at that point where the talent differential is so different that, uh, you know, used to be Tennessee could sleepwalk and still get a win against Vanderbilt because the talent was so much better. So unless there's a Jeremy Banks top of South Carolina issue, and I don't even think that would do it the week before the game, I think Vanderbilt's on Tennessee's radar of concern, which should be a new bit, shouldn't it? The radar of concern. Um, I don't think they're going to be for a number of years. What down is it, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. Josh Heupel is no Lincoln Riley in a good way. What do you mean, Kate? Uh, Caleb, Coop, Coop. So Caleb, I think a lot of the, Caleb. I think, 
I think a lot of the hypo concerns was, is he Lincoln Riley East, which is to say he has this, they have a similar style of offense, but they just don't even care about defense whatsoever. I think that's put to bed. Tennessee last year would not have given up 28 points to San Jose State. They wouldn't have. And I don't think they would do that this year. And what you're seeing is, yes, does Tennessee have some weaknesses on defense? Yes. Are they going to give up more points than usual because of the tempo they run and teams coming back? Yes. But largely their issues on defense right now is just a personnel thing because of what Heupel inherited when he took over. And it has Lincoln Riley, on the other hand, just flat out does not care about defense. And that's very, very, very clear. And I don't think Josh Heupel is anywhere in the same stratosphere as Riley on that. I think he does care about defense. He lets Tim Banks run the show, but I think he wants to make sure that his defense is up to snuff. Lincoln Riley has the philosophy of, I got a Heisman winning quarterback. If you score, I'll just make sure he scores in response. Yeah, and, so and I think we need design. and I think we need need to take a second to look at what Josh Heupel is doing defensively. He is getting players there, but he's also utilizing the defenses as vertical and is going to create turnovers. So that complements his offense of getting a big lead. You'll see more of the four- and six-minute drives as Tennessee has the lead than you have before to give the defense a rest. We started to see that at the end of last year. But I don't know I don't know specifically what TCU's plan is or USC guys that run high-tempo offenses or you want to say Oklahoma What's their defensive plan to offset that? Because you can't play traditional defense and build a program with that style of offense. You've got to do a little bit something different. And I think that uh, that's exactly what Josh Hopwell has done with Tim Banks. So I know the news that you want to hear about. Fourth down, Coop. All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Okay, so this is a weird journalism arrangement that we have with with nil and and coop and i i do and i'm going to respect the process if they don't want injuries out so i want to tell you this is not just based off talking to cooper mays and by the way his video which you need to watch and you can read a lot into that is on our youtube channel now i think about 1500 views already and um i don't know that florida is really doable and um I think that uh, Cooper Mays is is a guy that um, Tennessee is going to miss for perhaps more than two weeks. If you made me bet right now, I don't think he's back for the Florida game. Uh, Caleb, that would be a big blow. So let's get into right now. Cooper Mays and what his absence may mean because he's not playing against Virginia. He's not going to play against Austin P. I'm not sure he's going to play against Florida. How big of an absence is that, Caleb? Because if you don't play in those games and Cooper as is, is as in shape as anybody out there, if you don't play in those games, you're not going to be in game shape. So what does it take you to get back in game shape, especially when they're not being pushed as hard in game week practice. This could be something that we talked about two weeks is what Josh Heupel said. Well, that was last Thursday, and Coop's not back. This could be something that creates a half a season or a season-long problem. Your thoughts on how significant that could be? No, it's very significant. 
I don't care what they say in the press conferences. I don't believe that Ali Lane is capable of stepping in at center and replacing what Cooper Mays brought to the table. I just don't. And I like Ali Lane a lot. I think he's a fundamentals, intangibles, reliable, great guy. But he can't do what Cooper Mays can do. And also moving him over leaves a massive gap for Tennessee at left guard. Because the thing about Ali Lane is he was a utility player that you hoped you could just kind of plug in where you needed. You didn't want that to be at center. And so I think this is a big deal. I think the one thing that is positive out of this is that at least Tennessee, Dave, at least this injury happening, you hate to say this, but at least it happened early in fall camp. So Tennessee's had some time to work with the center quarterback exchange for what, two or three weeks now. So it's not like if Cooper Mays got hurt this week, it'd be a big issue because you're going to the game week. You want to prepare for your opponents. And all of a sudden you've got to make a change at center. That would have been an issue. They don't have to do that. So I think fall camp is because as you know, you've covered practices. You want to fall camp is the time where you spend focusing solely on your team and where you can develop with chemistry and chemistry is the word I was going to use. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And so because this happened early, I think the one saving grace for Tennessee is that they were able to develop Ollie lane more than when two years ago, when I think Cooper got hurt in the middle of the season and that caused some real issues. I completely agree. I think the offensive line is going to be okay as a whole unless Ollie Lane just really drops the ball. The guy that dropped the ball from a development standpoint is Addison Nichols. I was told and by multiple people his toughness, his tenaciousness is just not great. There have been times where he's gotten beat by very lower-level players talking about borderline walk-on type players or, um, you know, guys that just should never be beating him. Because physically, he's not Darnell Wright, but he's probably the most physically gifted guy on the offensive line currently. And he hasn't come up. So he's the guy that's dropped the ball. But did Tennessee drop the ball? Because this is not a twisted ankle. And I think it's been widely reported, reported that it's a hernia. I've known several people that have gone through hernias. Josh Ward can tell us more about hernias on Thursday. But i that's something that seems like you could have addressed in June or July. I don't think you just crop up and have a hernia that puts you on the operating table. I believe that Josh Heupel has had one big misstep in his career at Tennessee. And this is an optimistic week. I'm not trying to bring anybody down. But can we all agree that playing Joe Milton ahead of Hendon Hooker was a mistake? You agree with that, right, Caleb? A huge mistake. Okay. If, if Cooper Mays is out an extended period of time, then that is, that's got to be on Josh Heupel. This is not an injury where you turn an ankle – this was a hernia that cropped up over time, perhaps triple hernia, and you should have addressed it in July. Instead of him going to SEC media days and he didn't get to go because they wanted Joe Milton to go and they didn't want to put up a red flag by not sending the starting quarterback, they absolutely should have addressed this injury beforehand and had him more ready for, if not the beginning of fall camp, than throughout fall camp. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm not here to blast Josh Heupel, but this was a gamble 
to see if he'd be ready to go through the season. And like Caleb did over the weekend, the ball's crapped out. Do you think it was out of desperation because he knew how limited he was at center? Do you think he was just hoping, please, let's not be a hernia and maybe telling himself that it's not one because of how devastating it would be for Tennessee? If it was like, do you think he would have had the same philosophy with, for instance, Squirrel White, knowing that Dante Thornton is behind him? Uh, would he have hit it? Is that what you're asking me? Would it? Because some athletes do. I don't. No, think no. Would, would would Josh Heupel have addressed it? Say, do you think Josh Heupel would have addressed it more thoroughly in June with somebody like Squirrel White because he knows he has more depth at receiver as opposed to Cooper Mays, where he was a little desperate to make sure Cooper Mays could play. Perhaps, or he was pushed to continue practicing and playing in the summer when he thought was some something was wrong, and they told him everything would be fine. Here's the thing for Cooper Mays as a backstory. For those of you that don't know, I worked with his dad, Kevin Mays. That's how old I am. So Kevin Mays, I can't remember the year. I believe it was 92, is wrapping up a pro day drill. And according to all scouts of reporters I've talked to that covered that pro day, he was going to be a first round pick. He was projected at the Dallas Cowboys, as a matter of fact. And man, wouldn't it be awesome to be a part of that group they had in the early 90s that won three Super Bowls? He would have been in the middle of that. So that was the plan. And a guy comes up to him and says, hey, can you help me run through this drill? A younger guy. Well, he then suffered one of those bad, bad injuries, like the knee injury that will tear an artery. So you lose part of the muscle mass in your leg. This is not an ACL that you can repair nowadays and put together. And back then, ACLs were never the same. Ask Chuck Webb. But that was an injury that completely erased his career. The moment it happened, he had no pro career. So Cooper Mays is going to go in this, and he is not going to go in to any game, which he said on our the Vol report brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn, which he said this. He's, I, I know I'm going to be 100% when I go back. Because remember his sophomore year, what happened? It was one injury after another. This now gives him the label heading into the NFL, even if he's healthy for Florida, and I don't believe he will be. This gives him the label of injury prone. Having another season marred by injury does that. There's no two ways about it. And Tennessee, I, I believe, wanted him to play. I thought he could get through it. I also think that Cooper Mays wanted to play because he is a combatant. He's a competitor. He's a guy you want on your side. And I think that he he probably wanted to get out there as much as anybody. But at the end... Whether it's Coop or it's the medical staff or it's Josh Heupel's decision given a 50-50 on an injury case, which does happen, it, this, this didn't work out. This did not work out. He's not ready for the opener, and it certainly didn't work out if he's not ready by Florida. But I was told by somebody within Tennessee's program, few weeks. Few weeks. That doesn't sound like two that sounds more like four to six to me. The person didn't want to be specific, but said few weeks, almost to the point where he wasn't dismissing Cooper, but he was dismissing Cooper for the near future. 
So this is a team that's thinking about life without Cooper. I'm guessing for it, not guessing, I'm predicting, I'm giving you inside knowledge, that's at least a month. So let's say they get through October, I'm sorry, September unscathed. So then what does October bring you? Caleb, I'm sure you have the schedule in front of me and know it by heart. I don't know if I know it by heart, but isn't it Texas A&M, South Carolina, um, Alabama? Is it Kentucky? I mean, just just the gauntlet. The gauntlet is October, as it always is with Tennessee. Well, that's not when you want to be getting back to game shape. That's not. And then you have to make decisions over whether or not to, to put him out there. Now, I no, will you're say- wrong. I'm sorry. Texas A&M is when you want to be getting back to game shape. I, I mean, I'm sorry. They're going to be so bad this year that you're going to want to get back into game shape against Texas A&M because they're just going to – guys, I'm telling you, Texas A&M is going to be awful. It is the perfect type of game to test some things out because they are going to be a bad team this year. Well, I mean, they still got talent on the defensive line. So, I, you know, we could debate whether or not they're going to be good. You don't want to bring a guy back against an SEC opponent. You would agree that, right? I mean, you want to bring a guy back against an Austin P, give him a few snaps, see how things go. You do not want to bring a guy back against an SEC opponent. No matter, you and I may feel different about A&M, but, I mean, they still have I'm going to push back on that, and here's why. The the big reason why is, I, I know this with defensive line more than, and you do too, it applies here more than any other position, effectiveness on the defensive line is so much just about how excited you are to play. And the reason I think Texas A&M is going to come apart is because they're going to be split down the middle and then they're going to quit on the season. Well, if any unit quits on the season before any other unit, it's the defensive line. And I just think there's going to be a complete genuine lack of interest by the time they're playing Tennessee this year. And so that's where I'm at. Well, if you're right, that'll help Coop right now. If I'm Josh Heupel, I don't want him coming back against uh, an SEC opponent. That's not what I'm shooting for. So, coming up on the program, we are going to discuss a number of things. And uh, that is the main goal for the Vols against Virginia. And also, should the Vols consider more neutral sites game in Nashville for recruiting purposes? I'm going to say heck no. And I'm going to throw an idea out there that Caleb thinks it's crazy. And that's fine because I still love him. But... We're going to get that out there as well as the Vols will face Virginia noon in, what do they call it now? What's the corporate sponsor? Oh, I don't even know the name of this game. Uh, No, the name of the stadium now. I don't even know the name of the stadium. Oh, it's Nissan Stadium. Yeah, Nissan Stadium. Um, So with all that being said about Coop, I believe that Tennessee's offensive line will still be a positive addition to this team. So I think you have positive addition. I think you have positives on a football team and you have negatives. You have positives that are going to win you more games than they're going to lose. They're going to contribute to more victories than losses. And you have guys that won't. So I still like Tennessee's offensive line better than their secondary. So I'm not saying that it's, it's time to panic and run around the streets and, dogs sleeping with cats and cats sleeping with dogs and it's total mayhem airplane reference i'm not saying that at all but what i am saying and telling you is that this is a very significant loss but i think tennessee's offensive line 
will actually be fine. Should the balls consider more neutral site games in Nashville? I'm going to tell you why and why not. But I'm also going to propose an idea that I thought of over the weekend that I could tell by Caleb's text. He thought it was pure stupidity, which that is fine. Um, I thought his picks were pure stupidity. (laughs) uh, So I think Caleb uh, might call me dumb here in a little bit. We'll find out. That's always entertaining, though, one way or another. So hang tight. We'll be with you in two minutes to tell you why the Vols playing in Nashville is a good or bad thing. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. Travis says, I love it when we break things down a scale of 1 to 10 because sometimes I think every... Every show has hosts that are kind of saying the same thing and feel the same way, but they say it in different ways. And at the end of the day, you say scale of one to 10 concern, and they both say like seven or eight. This happened to us on some topic, Caleb, last week, where we sounded like we were way different. (laughs) At the end, we were pretty close. Um, Travis says, Ollie Lane is a solid player. If Coop rates is a nine, Ollie is an eight. Mm, I'm going to disagree with that. I think Coop would rank as a 9.5 if you're an all-SEC preseason center, and Ollie would rank 
down around a 6.5, and he may be a seven and a half after I see him in Virginia. But given the fact that he is not as physically gifted as most of the other offensive linemen out there, I am uh, not going to to go that far that it's just a slight fall off. But again, I think the offensive line as a whole will be very good. Check out the conversation with Coop about his injury status. Gen Xers stop using one to 10 as ratings. Madden has been using zero to 100 now ever since the start of the 21st century. How about y'all join the 21st century? Zero to 100, not zero to 10. Okay. Tecmo Bowl, brother. Tecmo Bowl. So I'm a Tecmo Bowl man. So I'm sticking with one to 10. Quick history um, on this. The there's history a, on one to 10. There's a video of Bear Bryant basically inventing Madden ratings in 1979. And he basically told his players, he said, let's say on a scale of 100, 80 is about the best you can play. You might be lining up against somebody who play who the 85 is the best they can play, but because of your preparation, you play 85 that day, and the other guy hasn't prepared so hard, so he plays 75. I'm like, Bears out here inventing Madden ratings 30 years before it's a thing. <laughs> yep. Try, uh, I always thought it was interesting how that game was delayed six years because he refused to allow it to be eight on eight football, but that would have been dramatically di- easier for the development of the game to have eight on eight instead of 11, 11 and say, Nope, I won't do it. Uh, Travis says our new listeners are so smart and yes, they are. And if it, I know you may have other things that you listen to in your routine, but if you want to know some real insight, this is the program to listen to. And I would stack that up with anyone. All right. So with Caleb Calhoun, I am Dave Hooker and we're going to get to the main goal. Of Tennessee versus Virginia. What is the main goal for the Vols against the Cavs, who I still expect to show up in uh, shorts and a basketball jersey because I still continually think of them as a basketball school because they basically are. What is the main goal for the Vols against Virginia? Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. I think the main goal is pretty darn simple. It's to get more snaps under this offensive line's belt, get game snaps under this offensive line's belt. I'm sure you've decided by now with Andre Keurig at left guard where Ollie Lane would have been. And you have Addison Nichols now. I think you've settled on your top five. You've set, probably settled on your top ten as far as you're too deep. I think that – because I think Tennessee's going to win the game easily. So, to me, the main goal is just make sure your offensive line is comfortable without Cooper Mays for however long that may be. I challenge you to come up with one goal that is more significant than that, Caleb. If they walk away from that game, walk out of Dotson Stadium, and they say to themselves, the offensive line, man, we're pretty good. We're fine. Then that's game one. I don't care if they won by one point. I I think it's better for Tennessee to feel good about their offensive line leaving that game and win by one point than to win by 60 because the Cavs turned the ball over 15 times, and you're like, man – we're still struggling in the interior of that offensive line. Because consider this grad school, these next two games, and you better be ready to go out and get a job in the real world. 
because this is grad school. This is the last chance to get it right before you have to earn a paycheck. So that to me is clear cut. I feel like I should have let you go first because maybe you would have said the same thing and I kind of chopped you off there, but I think you're going to have trouble beating me on that one, Caleb. Well, the offensive line is going to be tested because Virginia has all four starters returning on their defensive line this year. So there is some experience there, which is helpful for an offensive line. I don't know how much you value that. I, I, I do know returning starters can, if they're not good, it doesn't matter that they're not, that they're returning, but so maybe they won't be tested. I, I'm sorry. I disagree. The goal needs to be to hang, to have a Josh Heupel type of offensive performance. They need to hang 50 or 60 on Virginia. And the biggest reason they need to hang 50 or 60 is no one can pretend that Tennessee's not entering this game with some anxiety and question marks surrounding Joe Milton right now. And he's got this backup quarterback who I believe and you believe was created in a lab specifically to run Josh Heupel's offense. That is the, I mean, the most high-profile quarterback pickup Tennessee's had since Peyton Manning. Joe Milton's got a ball out, and Tennessee needs to hang 50 or 60. Because if they win by one, or if they win by 10, or if they win by 15, even if the offensive line plays well, Dave, you will immediately start to hear some Nico Iamaliava rumblings. And I don't think that's good for the team. So I think it's pretty – I'm not saying what you're saying isn't important. The offensive line really needs to find itself. But Joe Milton has got to hang – 50 or 60 on Virginia. And I mean, he's got to blow them out and not because Virginia turned the ball over 15 times. No, because he threw for four touchdowns in 875 yards. I'm kidding. Not 875, but he threw all over the field. He racked up tons of yards. We have to walk away from this game on Saturday saying, man, Joe Milton is really good. Like we have to be thinking maybe he is in the Heisman race because if he's not, we might be talking about pulling him. Uh, now, I'm going to disagree. I don't think the hook's that quick, based off what I've been told. But I also think that Joe Milton will play well. And if Virginia has a couple of things with an offseason to prepare for Tennessee, just like back in the day, he had an offseason to prepare for, let's say, the option like Georgia Tech would run or, you know, if you want to say the wishbone like Nebraska would run. So they they may throw some things out there that surprise Tennessee and Tennessee has to adjust to. And Tennessee may win the game by 14 points. I don't think anybody's going to be pulling uh, for Joe Milton to lose his his starting job. Yeah, you want to go out there and impress people. But at the end of the day, man, if I'm walking out of there with a one-point win, I feel really, really good about my offensive line. That's that's what I'm basing my success level on. If they're able to control the ball, because you're right, this is a complete returning defensive front, defensive line for Virginia but they but their two best guys are probably edge rushers so you should be able to push around the interior even with an injured player if you're an SEC team so mine you're is gonna, you're not going to feel good about the offensive line if they win by one point I'm just going to tell you that right now well then that get that gets back to your point of how does Joe Milton play? I I guess what you're saying, there are a couple of things you're saying that I I, I believe are almost out of the realm of possibility. I don't think this game's going to be close, and I I don't want it to sound like it's a Tennessee Tech or an Austin P. It's not, but I don't think this game's going to be close. I I think it'll be close until maybe a a final score that Tennessee puts up and they'll be up by 14 touchdowns or 14 points, two touchdowns 
going into halftime, but maybe you, I, you and I are working off different premises that you think this is going to be a challenge. I don't think this is going to be a significant challenge for the balls. So that's today's tough question. And now it's time for what the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. So I stole this, what the H? And it's about should the balls consider more neutral site games in Nashville for recruiting? Um, so I. I stole What the H from Norm McDonald's one season run on the sports show, if you remember that, and it was fantastic, but that didn't work out. Uh, Norm's tough to deal with. But did you know the movie Rounders? Have you seen Rounders? No, but I know of the movie. Great gambling movie. One guy has a serious problem uh, gambling, and I found out over the weekend that he was that character was loosely based on Norm McDonald. How wild is that? Norm MacDonald, when he gave up gambling, he actually took $60,000 he just won in Atlantic City and threw it into the ocean as a cathartic way to give up gambling. So we don't expect you to do that. And with Zen Sports, you will be making money back. But should the Vols consider more neutral site games in Nashville for recruiting purposes? I know where you are on this, Caleb. So please tell me about those awesome Nashville recruits that have come in and dominated the SEC in college football. It's not just, okay, I, I guess I wasn't as clear as when I brought it up. It's not just should they consider it in Nashville. I was saying they should consider neutral site locations in different spots. Like do one in Nashville, do one um, do one in Memphis, do one in Atlanta, Tr- different stadiums across the South where you try to have a decent recruiting hotbed. Heck, do one. What about one at like Legion Field in Birmingham? You know, Alabama fans would love that one. <laughs> and so, wow. um, I- I'm just saying, and, and they don't have to be like officially sanctioned home games. Um, but, um, I would say, wouldn't. For recruiting purposes, wouldn't it be a good idea to try to play a game in Nashville, Memphis, Atlanta, Birmingham, maybe even somewhere in Florida every few years to try to, to try to help with recruiting? I think Tennessee should consider that on a regular. Well, they have done that with um, a couple of different neutral site games. but like Bristol I- does nothing. Bristol does absolutely nothing for you recruiting. It, it was a no. gimmick. They shouldn't have done it. Yeah, it was a gimmick. It was a money-making thing. But they, they've done these neutral site games, and they've scheduled home and homes to help in recruiting. But, Caleb, I don't think that uh, Tennessee really needs to do that anymore. And I think you put yourself in a position where if you schedule a, Virgin- a Virginia, let's say, four years out, and they hire the next Steve Spurrier – then you put yourself in a position to get beat and neutral site games. I've had it. I don't like them in general. I don't like them in football stadiums. So no, I don't think they should do that at all. I don't think neutral site games have really any, any advantage inherent with them just because they're a neutral site game in a place that you want to recruit. So no, I don't think that's necessary. So here's my idea and here's why it's awesome. How many service academies play football? 
Caleb. This is how well, it's scheduled on conference. Division one, it's three. Okay. And those are who? Air Force, Army, and Navy. Air Force, Army, and Navy. Here's what you do. You come okay. You come out and you say, most people don't know that the University of Tennessee is retired for numbers because of men that were lost in World War II, men that's families for generations were never changed. So whether it's really from the heart or you are just doing this because it's a good PR move, you say you're playing the service academies, you're playing two of them every year, and you agree to do a home and away with one. That would get big time coverage, big PR coverage. Caleb's looking at me like I'm crazy, and I get that. But you do a home and away. Um, maybe it's just one service academy a year, and you do a home and away. Again, Caleb's looking at me like I'm crazy. But that way, the service academy, thank you very much to those out there. I know there's a lot for your service. You give the service academies a shout out, the money that helps keep their program relevant, and you look fantastic from a PR standpoint, Caleb. I mean, fantastic. That's what I'm doing, hands down. That's the best idea ever made. Tell me why it's not. That is the worst, most asinine thing you have said since I've been doing this show with you over the past year. It is a terrible idea. And I'm That's sorry. Crazy. I'm going to come off as the anti-patriot here. And it's not that I don't respect the service academies. But playing service academies does nothing for you. The home and home? Oh, wow. I get to go to Colorado to play Air Force. So I can really recruit that base in Colorado, guys. I don't care about recruiting anymore. I, I think the recruiting world has gotten so small with social media, everybody knows you anyway. Well, wait, it's it's there's a different there's a there's a there's a bigger factor here. The service academies run the triple option. It is so hard to defend for that. And uh, guys, go back in history. 2006, Tennessee beats the brakes off Cal to open the year. The next week they play Air Force. And the struggles of playing Air Force and defending that triple option is the reason that Inky Johnson suffered a career-ending injury in that game and Justin Harrell suffered a season-ending injury. If those two play, Tennessee might be competing for the national title that year. Defending the Having to prepare for the triple option, I don't care if it's the first week, the last week, whenever, completely changes up everything you try to do defensively. And if you're in the SEC, you already got to work on preparing for elite offensive lines that you're going to face every single week in the sec and then on top of that you have to add preparing for a triple option team before all of that it's a terrible idea dave you would have you you would be responsible for five tennessee starters suffering season-ending injuries in the opener every year if you did this well it would be a great pr move you would at least agree with that defending yes, the but it wouldn't be a good football move Defending the triple option is not easy, but at the end of the day, Tennessee could slip up against a triple option team as some teams have done, but it's not going to happen a lot because the talent level is so different. You could slip up against a triple option team. These teams are also not going to 
be considered quality wins ever in the college football playoff. But after this year, that doesn't matter anymore. You've got a 12-team college football playoff, so you're going to make it in. Um, I, I think I, I love the idea. I thought about it over the weekend. Nobody cares about who Notre Dame is playing in Dublin, Ireland, unless it's a service academy. And I think Tennessee could get that sort of good buzz, good vibe off of playing the service academies. And I would love to see it. Yes, that and was. And they could little... lose. They could lose their five best defensive players for the year, which would happen every single year. You would get a, you would get two season-ending injuries at a minimum every single year because they are not prepared to defend that triple option. It is a very one. I don't know how cut blocks are allowed. Chop blocking has been banned since the 1980s. I think cut blocks should be banned too. They're so dangerous. Well, let's make sure everybody knows the difference. So a chop block is when you're engaged um, with an offensive lineman and somebody takes out your legs. A cut block is when somebody just takes out your legs as a way to block you, which is legal. Right, exactly. And if you notice, that's why defensive lines facing the triple option that don't prepare for it regularly, they line purposely like two yards off the line of scrimmage because they don't want to give the offensive line a chance to hit them low on the block. It is so dangerous. It is a, I don't want to say it's an unfair way of playing football, but it's a cheap way of playing football. Now you might argue that downfield blocking for offensive linemen is a cheap way of playing football too, which Josh Heupel has fully taken advantage of, but that does not open up risk for injuries the way the triple option does. I think this is a, it is a very, 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 very dangerous way of playing football the triple option i've never been a fan of it and i definitely don't think you should be opening up to schedule to defend the triple option on a weekly basis by the way tennessee a few a couple years ago i don't know if you know this they had army on the schedule danny white just straight up killed the game he said nope we're gonna play well, i straight up painted that at the time straight up painted i it. thought i thought it was genius they took the pr blunts they were like oh that's so wrong that's so cowardice it was smart it was smart. You have a brutal SEC schedule. You don't need to interrupt it by totally having to change your game plan. Because, by the way, these service academies, I don't know if you noticed, Dave, they're all capable of nine or ten win seasons on a yearly basis. They've just they, – they've actually – they do that regularly. Do you really want to play a team that you, – you covered that Air Force game. That Tennessee doesn't lose to Florida the next week if Air Force doesn't give them so much trouble the week before. That was a problem. And again, Justin Harrell lost his senior year and Inky Johnson lost his career play, playing in that game. Well, but that had nothing. Uh, Inky Johnson had nothing to do with job blocking. I mean, no, but but blocking. I do. But when they do throw, it throws you so off that you do go full speed trying to lay somebody out a lot of times. Oh, I mean, they're, they're, Caleb, that's a reach. He's I'm just saying, trying to make a tackle against a bigger dude. What I'm saying is the concept in general, though, because it, it it's not just a chop blocking up front. The whole switch of the offense has you totally playing off your game defensively, even if you were a defensive back. It's just it's it's a I'm sorry. You shouldn't you should always run from the triple option and accept being called a coward. I don't care. I don't care if they call you a coward. I don't care if they say you hate the troops or whatever. You could say, you know what? I may, you may say that about me, but I'm trying to win a national title. No one's going to say that about you when you're holding up the national championship trophy at the end of the year. There you go. Totally disagree. But 
It was presented. I also think it's, I think the worst thing college football does is give army Navy a game by itself, a day by itself for the game. Are you kidding? We already have only so few weekends in college football and you're going to waste a weekend with just this one game that few, few people care about there. Sorry. Um, well, let's just say you've been called a communist on the message board. So <laughs> if, you, if you're okay with that, that's fine. Uh, Tennessee plays Virginia and that'll be noon in Nashville. And then we get to who will be Tennessee's best football player at the end of the year. I'm going to let you determine the criteria of what you say by best. Because you could say last year that Hendon Hooker was the best because he led everything. But on the flip side, you could say Jalen Hyatt won the Blitnikoff Award. So he was the best player. Best player brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Best prices, best service in the biz. Andy Mason, realestate.com. He is phenomenal. We love him. He's a part of my pending real estate transaction. I'm glad to hear that. Tennessee's best football player at the end of the year. I painted myself in the corner. I figured that out last week because I think Tennessee makes the college football playoff. So to me, it's got to be Joe Milton. If you have a quarterback controversy in the middle of the year, um, neither one of the quarterbacks are going to be considered the best player because Nico's going to make some mistakes when he comes in. Joe lost his job. Um, I, the receivers, it's going to be spread out. Don't think Tennessee's defense – I think Tennessee's defense will be better. I don't think they have an impact player where you say he's the best player. I don't – I mean, based off my predictions, not yours, mine – I painted myself in a corner. I can't go anywhere but Joe Milton. If I think they make the college football playoff, which I've predicted that they will, it has to be Milton by my own criteria. Caleb, who would you pick? It it, it it does have to be Milton if you're picking your best player because otherwise Tennessee could be in trouble. But I am going out on a limb, and I'm going to say their best player this year is going to be Squirrel White. I think Squirrel White's going to be the one who – like Hooker last year was Tennessee's best player, but Jalen Hayek got all the accolades at the end of the year. Right. I think Squirrel White will be the guy to get all the accolades at the end of the year this year. Um, I'm supposed to disagree with you, but I, I agree. If you want to talk about the best player as far as um, electric and at the end of the year everybody's crazy about, it's Squirrel. There's no doubt about that. But Brew McCoy is the more important receiver out of that group. Because I feel confident Tennessee could place Dante Thornton in that slot and be fine. I think they could lean on Jacob Warren if they needed to at tight end and be fine. But Squirrel has an explosion and something that nobody else has. But the guy that's going to move the chains is going to be Brew McCoy. He's the most important receiver on Tennessee's team. And I'm told by scouts he is the best overall player heading into the next level. Um, and I believe it. I think the guy is powerful. He's impossible to press coverage. And then he's fast enough. He could be a little bit faster. He's fast enough to get open downfield. And he, he knows how to use his hands. It's slightly illegal, but he knows how to use his hands also to uh, get separation. Travis says Brew McCoy might be the best wide receiver in the nation. He might very well. Uh, Squirrel White may still be the guy that everybody comes away and says, wow, that guy's fantastic. But the guy that's catching 12, 14-yard passes, six-yard slants when you need four, that's Brew McCoy. And he will be 
the highest drafted player going into the NFL that we know of. I'm not talking about like an Ethan Davis, a freshman that could blossom two years from now, but that we have good tape on. He will be the best player that goes into the NFL draft. But I got to say, I got to say Joe Milton, if my prediction holds true, I would be uh, conflicted and uh, contradicting myself if I didn't say Joe Milton. And Dave, let's, let's point this out because some people might, come at you for what you said, but I agree with you on this because you said Gruber Coy knows how to illegally use his hands. Well, part of football, it, part of a skill in sports is being able to cheat a little bit and not get caught on a oh, fundamental yeah. level. And, I, mean, I mean, what I just said, if people aren't taking it the right way, let me just clear it up. That's a compliment. Yeah. It's, it, and I remember Lane Kiffin said this years ago, and he's right. The best offensive linemen are always moving before the ball is snapped. They're just not caught. And uh, Michael Jordan in the NBA actually teaches players at his camps how to get away with pushing off when you're driving to the basket and not get called. And that's a skill. That's the skill with receivers: how to push off but not get caught pushing off is a very, very unique skill. And sorry, that's how you do it. How to sell a how 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 to make a pitch look like a strike as a catcher with the way you catch the ball in baseball a skill. How to sell getting hit as a punter and drawing or rubbing the punter penalty. I mean, these are skills and I'm sorry. Like that's what you're right. Brew McCoy is actually very good at that. <laughs> Message board said he's a better Jawan Jennings. Great comparison here, but nobody's exactly the same player. Jennings probably a little bit faster. I don't think Tennessee's had a receiver as physically strong as Brew McCoy, at least not one that I can remember. Maybe and Jennings has the best intangibles of any wide receiver that's ever played football. Intangibles. You want Jennings. him in your – oh, yeah. You want Jawan Jennings in your foxhole. Mm, I didn't like the whole going off versus Vanderbilt and showing up and saying it's time for me to play quarterback. But nevertheless. I did because the coaching staff was liars. So, Well, as we've learned, that is the truth. So I think Jawan Jennings, uh, to me, is a really good comparison. Brew McCoy, though, slightly more physical and probably not quite as – fast but we'll see um i think he's also deceptively fast because he's not a long strider like a jalen hyatt was and i think that he also is a guy that uh, is probably going to time pretty well when he works on it and here's the other thing that's so cool about brew mccoy i would tell i wouldn't say what i'm about to say unless it was true i've not had one person say to me that Southern Cal transfers, he been a malcontent in any shape, form, or fashion. Um, and and they've confirmed that. None of that. Just like I've heard none over the offseason that Joe Milton has been struggling. I've heard zero of that. So I think that um I think Tennessee's in good shape with Brew McCoy. I think they've got a guy that can dominate a game, even though that might not mean two hundred yards of receiving he is their best player on the football team and i yeah and I, i'm with the i'm with more of the kelly washington comparison and the Jawan jennings comparison and it's funny because you cover kelly washington and people thought he was a head case and maybe he was but you know what i never heard anybody say about kelly washington i feel like no one denied that he worked his tail off when he was healthy when he was at tennessee um he was a bad teammate in the beginning but he tried to get it right and i will tell you this that that's a better comparison actually than Jawan. But I will tell you this, the, the 
I asked a trainer, I said, who are the three hardest workers since you've been here? And it was Johnny Long who had been there for like 25 years. And he says it's uh, Peyton Manning, Jamal Lewis, and Kelly Washington. And there were about three guys that were cancers on that program, and he was there. And he was not one, and he wasn't even close to that as of the LSU game. Remember, he went around and patted every offensive lineman on the head after the offensive lineman didn't like his celebrations and stuff. He came on too strong. He knew that, but he was selling his brand. Nowadays, if he did that and he was on the cover of ESPN, the magazine as the future and they held a Photoshop for him, I think everybody would say, good job marketing yourself. But back then, it seemed like a little much. Kelly Washington and Casey Clawson are by far, not even close, the two most misunderstood balls that um, I've ever covered. I mean, if, if, if you don't want Casey Clawson to walk into your program uh, you better be Southern California, a guy that just won the Heisman Trophy. Because other than that, every program would be bettered by a Casey Clawson stepping in, even though he's not a great runner and uh, is never going to be. And I hear he's not the Ice Man anymore. He's more like the Bald Man. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's losing yeah, his hair. He shaved it. He shaved it. I don't. Want, I mean, it may have been thinning just a little bit when I covered it. Do you think now, particularly that I, I you you do you think maybe Arian Foster's in that list of misunderstood Foster? Or do you think he brought on uh, he he earned a lot of the hate that he got from fans? Not misunderstood at all. That's him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it, it, yeah, no, it, well, also remember, you mean, I'll give you a couple of examples. Making the media wait forty five minutes just to talk to him. And it was by design because he'd already had a shower and he was just sitting in the locker room to make him wait because he thought it was funny. Uh, coming out with the uh, pro football is fake. I mean, all of this stuff. He's a weird bird that you hand the ball to. Um, but ultimately, when did he start showing up around Tennessee? Um, 04, that, 05, right around mm, then? Nope. Nope, no, nope. no. I'm talking about after his playing days. Oh, he didn't come back until like last year, I think, or something yep. like that. Yep. Yep. So at least Kelly Washington, you knew what you got. You got a mercenary. But Arian Foster um, is all kinds of messed up in the head. And I say that knowing that he wants to fight me. And he's called a radio station before and challenged me to a fist fight. And I passed. And that's why I'm still with you here today. <laughs> I, I may be opinionated, but Caleb, I'm not stupid um how tennessee will be affected with a college football playoff and is this the last year of college football playoff as we know it i don't think that's too strong of a statement at all 90 seconds with caleb i'm dave off the hook sports Candace, i was i was really heavy into the drug culture um i was selling drugs i was just constantly in pain I was missing like a good support system in my life. Chaos has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. 
Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Um, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Got the message board saying that they'll fight Arian Foster for me, which, you know, we could probably make that into a charity event. Um, <laughs> let me see if I got his number. Uh, yep, I'll say his number. That's what you want to do. Really? Um, we could probably we could probably set that up. Um, I don't know, but that was the first time that anybody called me, and uh, I was like, "Hey, Aaron, you want to be on the show?" And he goes, "I do," and I had no idea which direction he was going. And he got on the air, and he immediately wanted to fight me. And I was doing the show with Terry Fair, uh, the former. All-American cornerback who was a talk show host with me for a year and a little bit more. And uh, he said, he, he stepped up. I'll give him this. He said, Arian, Dave hasn't said anything about you. That's the thing about talk radio and talk heads and streaming shows is that sometimes we'll refer something to somebody says on the message board or we're getting set up to take some callers too. If you think that's a good idea, let me know in the message board. Would you like to verbally be a part of the program but oftentimes caleb you will find that stuff that either i say or somebody else says will be attributed to you and they will call you and they'd say why do you think tennessee's an eight win season eight win team this season it's gonna happen just get used to it it's jimmy himes used to start so many conversations with people on remotes is with no i didn't say that and he said it very patiently and nicely. And he would say, here is what I said. And Jimmy's the guy that remembers everything he said from like 1993. So that's well, maybe we'll get a Paul Fonbaum moment and someone will call in and admit to breaking the law because they were so mad at the other <laughs> at their rival for beating them and propelled them to national stardom like Harvey Updike did for Paul. Do you realize for a second, Caleb, what we have going on here? John Adams, the best columnist in the SEC, Tim or Mike Bianchi at the Orlando Sentinel, from what I read regularly. We have uh, not just not just UT SEC, but we have Jimmy Himes, who is the ultimate sports journalist. If you were to create one in a lab like Nico for a quarterback, it would be him. We have Josh Ward entertaining best. I don't want to call him up and coming yet because he's well-established in his mid-30s. And then we have Fred White, who has been the most successful talk show host ever as far as a former ball who else who else is as good no offense eric ainge and brett smith no offense to them i didn't even realize brett smith was on it with them but (laughs) no no, but i think he's on with josh from 12 to 3 anyway oh sorry who what name do we not speak on this show (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it was, it was kind of a high joke there. I'm 
went over my head. I'm not smart enough, Dave. Okay, so already some people that have off the hook call in. I love it. So that's my that's my one of my goals for today. Hooker calls. Yeah, I get to. I'm really excited because I get to shut down most of the business side, and I don't have to call Caleb and say cover for me because I got this meeting, and I get to just create content for you. So we're going to explode out of the shoot, Caleb Giroux as well. But you find a better lineup, and I'll give you a hooker shirt, but you're not going to. And I'm going to make the announcement right here. Celebrate 98, the book, will be purchasable everywhere by Labor Day. So we'll start releasing it to the various services this week, and uh, then it's out there. And we're good to go, and we're excited about it. But let's get to college football. And I'm going to change up your question a little bit after our 3.45 a.m. production meeting. You said, is this the last season of college football as we know it? I think that's an easy question. Yes. Um, you have a 12-team playoff and 18 Big Ten. You have no Pac-12, 16-team SEC. I'm just going to ask you, is it better? Will it be better in 2024 moving forward than it has been? No. Now, it may be better in 2024. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Dave. It may be better in 2030. That's crazy. It may be better in 2030, but it won't be better in 2024. And it's just too disjointed, too disorganized at this point. What will make it better will be finally when the SEC and the Big Ten get all the teams they want and they create their own conferences within conferences. So you kind of go back to conferences, but the SEC and the Big Ten are governing bodies with teeth that the NCAA never was. And I don't know if that happens in 2030, 2035, 2037, whatever. But no, next year, it's not going to be better. Nationalizing college football is so short-sighted, and I keep insisting this. If you make it the if you make it closer to the NFL model, well, then, Dave, I'll just watch the NFL. Why would most fans would just watch the NFL at that point? College football selling point is that it's something uniquely different from the NFL. And so the more you make it like the NFL – the less you make it uniquely entertaining. And I'm telling you, that's going to happen. The reason college basketball is selling, you don't see college basketball do the, the NBA playoffs, do you? Imagine if March Madness was like, let's do the NBA playoff model where we have a best of five, a best of seven, a best of seven. People would be like, that's terrible. That's awful. And what makes March Madness unique is the whole upset city, whatever, and also, by the way, it's also what makes the rest of the college basketball season complete trash because nobody cares for the three months that the regular season is going on. College- okay, well, let me stop you there for a second. That's not going to be the case with the 12-team playoff because buys and home games are in the bidding. So nobody's going to say, oh, just play Vanderbilt, um, rest your starters. That's never going to happen in college football. And I believe that people that are football fans through and through, they don't just show up because it's a cool tailgate at Neyland or Nissan Stadium, are going to be football fans of both. When they were both very good in the early 2000s, there were hundreds, because I used to cover Titans games, there were hundreds of cars I would see going back and forth to Nashville, to Knoxville, both ways. To they see cared way more teams. about one than the other, though, Dave, and you know it. No, well, and I think that's going to be UT. I think I think it's always going to be UT, and it's never going to change because of tradition. 
Uh, Nashville is a very transient town, kind of like uh, Atlanta is now. Their fan base is fickle. Uh, yes, they want to see the Titans do well, but they might be Bears fans because they moved in from Chicago. But I can tell you, talking to pro- pro- programming guys uh, in that area, when Tennessee won and took over, it completely changed the way they programmed their station. They had record numbers. They went from covering Tennessee 20% of the time to more like 50 or 60% of the time. So not worried about that whatsoever. The 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 only thing they could have done that would have screwed everything up is not found a way to make the regular season important all the way through. They found a way to do that. We are constantly, you and I specifically, but media criticize a lot. Do we not? Mm-hmm. I think the 12-team playoff is masterful with the buys and the home games. I, I think it keeps you playing hard until the end of the year. So I think what they did is great. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I think being able to lose a game and still early in the season and still being talked about being part of a 12-team playoff is going to create even more chatter than back in the days where if Tennessee or Florida lost, they were pretty much out of the running for the SEC East, the SEC, and the national championship. I think it's going to change things tremendously. I think you'll see better football being played because of that, of guys knowing that they can still get in the playoff and they're not just playing for a meaningless bowl game. Let's face it, South Carolina was the exception to the rule last year, weren't they? I mean, they were pretty much in the tank, and what did they do? They beat two very good teams, two top 10 teams in Tennessee and Clemson. But how often does that happen? I mean, that's an aberration. Teams throw in the towel when they know they're going to a bowl game. I love everything about it. I think it's going to make it better. I've long been a proponent of this, and I'm incredibly excited. So coming from one, and I hear you out there, Rocky Top Tom, uh, the regular season does matter. Playoffs will not kill the regular season importance. I think what they have done is absolutely made the sport better, and I cannot wait for the excitement next year when we're talking about what 12 teams should make the playoffs. The only hole in their whole argument is that you're going to have a lot of 12 versus fives and 11s versus sixes because the first four teams get a buy. The way they're seated, you're going to have a lot of blowouts, you're just like you do now. Let's say LSU was the fifth team that got in. So look up for me on AP, who was the top 12 team to finish the year you don't even have to go regular season i think it'll prove my point but so you're going to have a very very good team at five and there's going to be a significant drop off to 12 there will be some upsets we saw that with cincinnati cincinnati can get in there and do some stuff but it's not going to be consistent so who was 12 last year to end the entire season oh to end the, i i looked up to end the regular season but oh, 12, to end, the, 12 so, to end the regular season was washington at 10 and 2 well it was five Alabama at 10 and 2. Okay. Alabama is going to destroy Washington. It's going to be yes. in Tuscaloosa. Washington's going to go home neutered. The Huskies will be neutered. And that's the end of that. So those are going to happen for a while. But what if those teams start getting better and you have more very good teams instead of just one or two great teams? But at, okay. Look, if it was 12 and you had 128 teams in college football all competing for 12. I, I could listen a little more. Because, but 
it's going to render it irrelevant because we know, as it should be, all the wild card spots are going to be reserved for the SEC and the Big Ten. So there's going to be less pressure. There's never going to be, I'm, I'm sorry, the greatest moment in college football history to me, and Dave, you can disagree with me. I think the greatest moment in the history of the sport was the 2013 Iron Bowl, Alabama-Auburn. The Auburn kick six. That There was not a moment in the history of the sport that tops that moment. You watch that kick six, and I didn't even – Vern Lundquist, to his credit, was interviewed about it. He said, we didn't even comment for two minutes after the game. We just let the, we just let the spectacle of the sport take care of itself because it was the greatest spectacle anybody ever saw, and it was – it encapsulated the greatest of college football of what we loved. That well, kick six is totally irrelevant. In this Tom, I love you, brother, but teams aren't going to try to lose the last game of the regular season to avoid a conference championship game. That still means a lot. There's still a lot on the line. Nobody. And and you can't, in, in the game of football, you can't say, let's drop it down a notch. All you can do is pull your starters, which they do do in the NFL on occasion, but I don't think that's going to be the case in college football. I think uh, college football is about to explode at a whole other level. Look, there's a and, way to do a 12-team playoff, by the way, Dave, the way you're talking, and make it good. You know how you make it good? You have eight 16-team conferences, and all eight conference champs get an automatic bid, and then four wild cards. Then every game still matters, and they're set to play for at the end of the year. But the way they're doing it right now, one, it's not going to be the top six conference champions. It's probably going to end up being the top two conference champions because it's going to be just the SEC and the Big Ten. So then it's it, it renders every Saturday even less relevant because at least if it's at least if you're playing for a conference title, well, even now one loss can knock you out of your conference championship race. And so I'm just saying that look, may, minor league baseball. I'll just give you an example. Minor league baseball is completely irrelevant as a sport now. Wasn't 70 years ago, but national television made it an irrelevant sport. Why? Because minor league baseball has the same format as major league baseball. And people were like, well, why don't I just watch major league baseball then? Well, now I, I think we're talking about two different things. I mean, I understand that the elite athletes are going to be at the NFL level, but there's still enough nostalgia and enough kinsmanship to your team that's going to carry over that and i don't believe for us what about people born at what about people that are born after this though for us yes but what 50 years down the road when we're all dead and gone or hopefully 70 years whatever what's it going to be then the kids that are born today are not going to develop the same affinity for college football that we developed by the way uh, bob barker dying at 99 years old almost made it that was a shame all Almost went over a dollar. Just hit right under a dollar. Just hit right under the dollar. Yeah, and it was, you know, somebody actually picked that he would be 98, uh, 96 years old. And then the next person said, I'll go 97. You know, how they go one up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, actually, nice. He, he nice. did get me through a lot of sick days. So I hate that Bob Barker passed away. And he was so, so good in Happy Gilmore. And Why don't you shut the hell up? And he um, was. By the way, the whole appeal of Happy Gilmore, the golfer, if that was a real movie, the appeal would have died the minute he got beat up by Bob Barker. Because the whole thing was he's this blue collar, rough and tough hockey player in golf. The minute you get beat up by Bob Barker, you don't have that appeal anymore. <laughs> Bob Barker was a gold gloves champion in the military. Oh, I know that. But Happy Gilmore's whole like appeal was that he was a fighter. I mean, he killed an alligator in the movie. 
you know, but it was a pretty good story. I mean, I, that's a pretty good bit. You gotta, you gotta give them that. Okay, so uh, moving on. Week one has one, one game featuring top twenty-five teams. What can college football do to fix this in the future? A college football playoff where 12 teams can get in and then you can schedule tougher opponents throughout the year because you know that you don't have to be in the top two or four. It's already been done. I'll let you say what you want to about this topic, but I think I just took that puppy and laid it to rest. Nighty night to my dog, Rue. We named Foo after the Foo Fighters because our family had a great event there, but we've now changed it to Rue because he bounces like the kangaroo. Here's how you do it. You take. <laughs> By the way, great the- job of handling that non-sequitur that I just threw at you. College football should step in and just say the first game of the year on Saturday should be a rematch of the national title game. Every single year. The first game should be a rematch of the national title. I know that's Georgia TCU this year. I get it. I get it. That, but most times, most of the time, it's not going to be Georgia TCU. Right, Dave? That's not going to be a thing. Um, so you can't do that, Caleb. These schedules are made years in advance. And and, and by you, the they, way, you want to talk about your, your neutral site games. I hate the neutral site games, but if I'm Tennessee, I'm calling Southern California because imagine those two offenses going against each other. And I want to recruit in LA. I'm like, let's do a home and home because guys, you could lose a game in September and still make the college football playoff. Virginia is about the dumbest opponent that you could schedule because I don't in a blame really Tennessee crazy, for Virginia. Well, let me finish this. Okay, Virginia is the dumbest opponent you could schedule because in a really crazy year, they're good enough where maybe they could upset you. And if you're in a down year, which Tennessee's not, that's the worst type of opponent for me. You either go absolute low level like Austin P. I like keeping the money in state, so MTSU those type of teams. Or you go with elite that's going to get you more coverage or the recruiting area. But oftentimes those two latter serve the same purpose. So um, I don't think they have anything to fix. I don't think they have anything to fix. I'm perfectly fine with this. I'm perfectly fine with seeing teams play slightly lower level opponents. And I'll be able to judge them. I don't want to say preseason. It's not. Uh, Stadiums are still going to be full the electricity is going to be fantastic. That's the nostalgia of the sport. Don't fix anything, NCAA. Don't listen to Caleb. Do not Dan, do it. You suck. <laughs> College the other half of the Gilmore uh, reference. Rest in peace, Bob Barker. The start of college football is like Christmas. Okay. And this is like if you wanted the no, new. It's, not. Ex- it's like Hanukkah. You get a present every day for, was it, I'm not Jewish. Eight days, eight days. Eight days. That's what it is. What's wrong with that? You get a present. Right, but at least, the, at least the present may be something you wanted. This is like if you wanted the Xbox for one day of Hanukkah, and instead you got like a, a rubber glove, okay? So, I mean, it's it's that's what this is. Fans are totally cheated. Fans are totally being cheated out of this. One, this top 25 game, Florida State LSU, it's not even on Saturday. It's on Monday. 
Now, the Virginia game, I'm going to give Tennessee a pass. If you remember, they had Oklahoma scheduled for this, and the SEC stepped in and told them, you guys got to cancel that series because Oklahoma's joining the SEC. So Tennessee rushed to add Virginia. That was not who they wanted to add. But I'm sorry. I got to be honest with you. This is ridiculous. You should – there needs to be a way. Maybe the NCAA or not – whatever whatever governing body of college football exists in the future steps in and tells every team, you clear your slate for Labor Day weekend. We'll set the games for that for that first weekend. We'll set the games. It is – I want the season to start with a bang. I want it to start with a bang. I want it to – it. I wanted it a few years ago, like when Alabama-Florida State started the year. Now, Alabama dominated, but it was something to look forward to. I want those type of games the first week. I don't mind playing the Austin Peas during the season or things like that. I actually think that's a good thing because for those who don't know, Dave, I'm sure you know, Austin P. that's how they keep their football program afloat is getting to yeah. play Tennessee and get their butt speed. So if you don't want, if you don't want the smaller schools to have football programs – if, if you want the smaller schools to keep their football programs, you should support the Power Five schools playing them once a year. I'm fine with that. The first week, though, the first weekend of the season, with all the hype, I want some great, great matchups. The two best matchups this weekend aren't even on Saturday. One is Florida and Utah. That's on Thursday. Yeah, although you may not think that's a good matchup. You may think Utah's going to blow them out. I don't know, but I think it could be a good game in the Swamp. And the other is LSU-Florida State. I don't think that's going to be a good matchup. That's LSU going to blow them out. But the rest of the weekend is just – I mean, Dave, look at this slate of games. Take out the fact that we're covering Tennessee and take out the fact that it's – take out the fact that it's just college football. What is a game this weekend that you're just, man, I can't wait to watch that game to start off the season? All of it. All day. No, really? No. Portland State and Oregon? You ready for Portland State and Oregon? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the, thing about, that's the thing about college football is it's not like the NFL. It can change so much. So, you know, in the NFL, you have a Ben Roethlisberger that's around for like 80 years. And in the NFL, you got a Hendon Hooker who's at his elite level only one year, only plays two or three years, and those weren't great situations to play in. And so I'm perfectly fine with seeing what people have got. I'm perfectly fine with an easier opponent. No, I got, I got no problem with it. I think I, don't I need think three top see, 25 games. I don't think you would see the ratings change significantly. If there were three top 25 matchups in week one, as opposed to one, I don't think it would change that much. I think it's an exciting slate in the first round, not as nearly as sexy as it's going to be in the coming weeks, but uh, I'm down with it. And Travis says, uh, just no service academies, right? Commie. He called you a commie. So I'm, uh, as of the message board, I'm a libertarian last week, which I'm still not 100% sure what that is. And uh, you're a communist. Libertarians so, believe in no government period. So like, for instance, they don't even believe in the, the police or roads. They're like, nope, everything should be privatized. So no police, no roads, no firefighters, nothing. That's a libertarian. I don't know that I'm that um, far. So that's um, why I don't like to be labeled, and that's why I don't share my politics. But I'm show. sorry. You're just wrong on this in every way. The first weekend should have at least three top 25 games. Three. Three. That's all, on Saturday. On Saturday. One at noon, one at 3.30, one at 7. Now, all those other fun games, fine. Mix them in. But I want three games that are just fun to look forward to. I don't hate that, but I don't have a problem with it not being there. So, um, yeah, I'd, 
you know, that's it's always kind of been that way in college football. Um, I think it's well, Tennessee that, playing Syracuse to open 1998. That was beautiful. Two top 40 teams. But nobody knew Syracuse was going to be that good. If you go back that far, they were making those schedules eight, ten years in advance. Donovan McNabb was like 10. Yeah, but Syracuse was still a top 20 team when the two faced off that year. And, I mean, that made – one, it, we act like these top 25 games hurt. It helped Tennessee. It clearly helped Tennessee. Um, so, I, I just – look, I'm sorry. I'm totally for this. I think Georgia Clemson two years ago, that was beautiful when they played each other, two top five teams, two top ten teams. I, I want a couple of those every year. Well, you got Alabama Miami – one year and Alabama just trounced them. I got I got no problem with it. I mean, if you want to do your noon three thirty seven, I think that's a pretty good idea. Um, but you're scheduling these games years in advance, and to hope that you get two teams at the top of their game based off personnel and based off the way they've been trending is being very very hopeful to me. He's Nobody even Cal- tried with these. What? Nobody even tried with these though. Nobody even tried, and that's my issue. It would be one thing if, but like, again, why should you when you're trying to make a four-team playoff? Now, if you can make a 12-team playoff, Danny White, instead of putting aisles of cereal in the in Thompson Bowling Arena, should be more concerned, much more concerned about scheduling some marquee opponents. Do it yourself. Go out and do it yourself. If, if the guy that's mowing your lawn doesn't do a good enough job of it, go do it yourself. But here's Caleb telling me that the NCAA needs to get involved in scheduling. Good Lord, Caleb. Everything else they touch, they screw up. Some by, some. Well, the NCAA's problem is they never were an effective governing body because the power was taken away from them in the 1980s. But yes, I would have loved the NCAA to get involved in scheduling. Schedule a couple of big games a year. I'd love it. Terrible, terrible idea. But I would like to see an SEC Big Ten matchup. How about an SEC Big Ten matchup every SEC Big Ten challenge every year? Like the first week of college football, make it like the bowl games back in the day where you have like an SEC Big Ten challenge for a couple of teams and Pac-12, ACC, whatever. I know those don't exist anymore, but like, yeah, have three Tennessee Cal 2006. Remember when Eric Gaines was like, we're playing for the whole SEC? Like that. Make college football start off like that. That's on Danny White, not the NCAA. The NCAA comes monkeying around in your business and suddenly there are problems. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker with you weekdays, 10 a.m. live on YouTube. Wherever you stream, it's there as well. And I want to uh, highly encourage you to hit the notifications button because we've got all kinds of good stuff coming up. Also, you know what I need you to do is I need you to subscribe and tell a friend and we're going to start giving away great stuff. I've still got some hooker shirts, maybe a little bit dated because there's no Hendon, but there's still a Dave. And also going to have the opportunity to give away some uh, Celebrate 98 books. It's Celebrate 98, the untold stories behind Tennessee's 1998 national championship run. And I hope you enjoy it. Caleb, for goodness sake, he's like, you better enjoy it because I filled in for Dave a lot when I guys been working on that dad blame book but uh caleb you get a free copy how about that sounds good to me <laughs> uh, are you a quick reader yeah i can read pretty quickly I'm, okay. I'm a quicker writer than i am a reader i will say that i'm a much quicker writer i am too i think within five years i will have written more books than i've read that's my goal wow. 
a lot of wow okay no it's not a, it's not a lot of books <laughs> yeah i couldn't do that I no i mean five books and i've taught my reading mark i'm not a book <laughs> guy. I, I, I read periodicals all day but i'm just not a book guy travis says hookers will never go out of style no they won't so man we're excited it's game week He's Caleb Cal Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Hit that notifications button on subscribe and like. And don't forget, we're with you live at 10 a.m. And it is going to be an absolutely fantastic football season. John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel will join us in his regular spot on a Tuesday. For Caleb, Dave, Off the Hook Sports. <laughs>